beautiful scripture reading uh, for Ed's message today is from Psalm 78, God's goodness and Israel's ingratitude. Uh, verses one through four. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth, the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders which he has wrought. The second reading is from the book of Romans. Uh, 15 uh, verses 7 through 13. It was the gospel for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. Welcome one another. Therefore, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise thee among the Gentiles and sing thy name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, O Gentiles, and let the peoples praise him. And further, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come. He who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. May the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace. I can't see for a minute, I'm sorry. In believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Val, and I, I, I apologize if you had sent me an email or a text. I haven't looked over the last. It was really so difficult for them. They were maybe not even happy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Good morning. Welcome. Um, we actually have sort of, is, the, um, is this working up here? Does yes. that, oh, it is. Okay. okay. I couldn't see anything on this one right here. Um, there was actually sort of a two-part title, uh, if you looked at your uh, bulletin for the title of the message. You'll notice there's actually two things there. Um, one was on our bulletin board out there, which was the uh, narrow gate theme, what was it at Jesus' time, and even before that. Uh, and, you know, does it somehow vary 2,000 years since, um, since Jesus, the incarnation? Um, has anything changed in terms of the narrow gate? Uh, one of the things that I want, and I wanted to tie it into the prodigal son, because 
Jesus had sort of two main missions, I believe. One was to bring back the leadership of Israel back to um, its wise ancestors. What was it? Sinai, the commands given to them, the covenant given to them. And after 2,000 years, they had strayed. I mean, they really had. I mean, they had the one stray where they were literally physically um, worshiping other gods. And God took down the Judean temple, the Jerusalem temple in 587. 70 years later, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, and uh, they were carted off to Babylon. Uh, and then a number of those came back from Babylon 70 years later. New Persian king versus the Babylonian. And he allowed them to set up sort of a, their own relatively autonomous uh, nation called Judea. Um, so that's sort of where Judeans, if you're from Judea, you're Jewish, all right? If you are still Babylon or somewhere else, you just consider yourself an Israelite. Um, anyway, so we have uh, that sort of apostasy and what happened, they come back again. And from there until Jesus' time, there's no worship of any kind of foreign god or anything of that sort, but you still end up having a destruction of the temple in 70 CE. Why? Uh, and if you go, to, if you listen to Orthodox Jews and so forth, they'll say because of unwarranted hatred towards each other. And it was kind of funny that, not really funny, but uh, kind of funny, quote unquote funny, strange, that when Jerusalem was sacked by the, the Romans in 70 CE, they were really upset. They said, if we just leave all of them in there, in Jerusalem, in the walled city, they'll all kill themselves. Why are you sending us in there to be in harm's way? Uh, so, you know, that has changed. The shalom has come. But what I'd like to do is tie it in, you know, what is the narrow gate and how does the prodigal son have something to do with this? Um, our songs this morning, is uh, we're basically great as thy faithfulness. I want that to be sort of bookends. God does not change. Uh, his promises, they fail not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, that's sort of what his name, quote unquote, Yahweh means. Yesterday, today, forever, in an acronym. Uh, so that's it. The other is sort of that shalom theme that we have running all through the, um, through the narrative this morning in our our prayers and so forth. And uh, the other is, um, I wanted to just, since it was in here, I'd like, to, it talks about our divisions. The two biggest divisions, I mean, and it's incredible. Look at how the church divided from the early days when it was Jewish, giving their Hebrew understanding of who their God is to the Gentiles. And then all of a sudden, this giant chasm after about 200 years forming to where. Yo, we very often file our, in our library, Judaism under world religions, like Hinduism or something like that. I mean, why are we carrying 95% of this Bible around with if it's some foreign religion? Uh, it's sort of like, wow, what happened to it? And we'll talk about that a little bit. So what I want to try and get into is, uh, the prodigal son, I'm going to say Jesus had two missions, and I like you kind of two in mind, two, two. Sermons should only be three, you know, I say three subjects in a sermon or foci. I'm gonna do two. Um, and that is 
I think Jesus came back to train new leadership. He was like litmus paper, just like God came down to Babel to look around and see if the things he was hearing in heaven, proofing it, you know, was really happening. He comes down to Sodom and Gomorrah, speaks to Abraham. He actually comes down to see if he's actually witnessing this, these horrible things that he's hearing about this community up in heaven. God is always coming down to sort of truth it out here on earth. So I see Jesus as sort of the litmus test, the litmus paper coming down into the current, then current Jerusalem leadership. And how are they going to react to him since he is indeed God's word. He's the Father's word. He is the living Torah. So if they're reacting negatively to him, they don't understand Torah. And I want to just give you one little nugget here that I think you'll find interesting. Torah, we always associate Torah proper with the five books of Moses. Uh, and you have all the law. It was translated from Hebrew into Greek as law. So we see these piles of law books and all these regulations and rituals. And very often we just run the other way or we dabble a little bit so they can't take it. Um, what Torah meant really in Hebrew was instruction. This is God's instruction. It's his guidance to you. It's not you know, a, a whole bank of law books. Uh, you have narrative in it. You have poetry in it. You have all the wonderful promises of God in it uh, that we're supposed to be standing on, that our Christian faith, our belief in Jesus as Messiah, reaching out to us as Gentiles, the nations, the peoples, all had its basis back there. So then you have the prophets and the writings, and they are all, the Torah, where the five books of Moses are foundational to the prophets and the writings. They all support Torah. So you get to the New Testament, if you were a Jewish person that really believed that Jesus had come uh, and was truly the Messiah, then he would consider the New Covenant Torah, sort of in the broad sense of this is guidance, this is teaching. But even Torah proper, Moses, it's, uh, it's far more than rules and regulations. Uh, and we do a Torah cycle, we've done that two years in a row, I've taken a break from it for now. So anyway, how do we fit all this together and kind of fit into how the church sprung up uh, and how more often than not Jewish books or uh, things about Judaism get, get filed under world religions? It's sort of funny, if you're a Muslim, you just say, well, I think the scriptures have been um, corrupted, so we're not going to accept what you say about it. Uh, uh, and that's easier to deal with, you just know. But sort of in the Christian world, it's kind of like, well, um, here we are in New Testament Christianity. We read primarily the New Testament to define and understand the earlier stuff. And obviously there is a, a reason we do that. We say more has been revealed by God. God is working out his plan to, for world peace, lying, you know, sort of Eden um, restored, you know, they were kicked out of Eden, but the whole idea is they didn't get to eat of the tree of life, right? They were kicked out, these scary cherubim with their swords kept them from going back into this region, this area called Eden, which by the way, we sometimes think of the Garden of Eden as if 
Eden is the garden, but it was actually the garden in Eden because Eden was actually a, uh, a geographical area. So it was sort of like a big beaker upside down, set down in, in Eden. And in there you have the merger of heaven and earth, right? The tree of life, God um, it, in her. So the idea is to restore that again. So they get kicked out. So the question is, okay, where's the tree of life now? Uh, if those scary cherubim, you know, are guarding the tree of life and they can't go back into Eden yet. Uh, so how does the restoration, it's fun that the, uh, where do you find the cherubim next and where do you find the tree of life next? It's in Jerusalem. Uh, it's with the Jewish people. They have the menorah, which is the light, uh, a tree of life. You have the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant, the Sinai Covenant with the cherubim and the mercy seat above the law. So, oh my gosh, you know, here's a tree again in a very uh, small geographical region. It traveled in the tabernacle, the mobile tabernacle in the wilderness until they came into the promised land. And then eventually uh, the uh, Solomon builds a temple. It's no longer a mobile tabernacle anymore being carried here and there with the Jewish people. It's now Solomon puts it in Jerusalem and the Ark of the Covenant goes in there. They have the menorahs, uh, you know, the trees of life. They have the cherubim over the book of the law. So this is where you find your life and their mediatorial role, their vocation, their election, their calling of the Jewish people is to be a light to the world, salt of the earth. So what sort of went wrong early on. Why this division? I think, which I said before, kind of, and I didn't follow through on it, what were the two sort of roles of Jesus? And I think number one was to restore faithful servanthood leadership. And you find that after, so he was that Lismas test into Jerusalem leadership at that time, and it came up acid, all right? Uh, so God had a justification for saying this leadership cannot go on, it's not going in the right direction, need to produce new leadership. So he's teaching on the mountain. He says, I'm only coming to Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel, or those in Israel which are sort of lost and don't know where to go. Um, so he's teaching by the lakeside. He's teaching on the mountain. He's teaching how to come back how to be revived back to uh, teachings of the Torah that have been so distorted over time. And so I was saying this about 2,000 years from Sinai to Jesus. What scared me as a young, young teenager, late teenager, uh, having been raised in a couple different Christian traditions, if the tradition of their elders, the teachings, interpretive traditions of their elders were so corrupted after 2,000 years. Human condition, Solomon, nothing new under the sun. Uh, are we in the same situation later, 2,000 years? The Gentile church, uh, you know, what went wrong? Again, why the division? So that's reason number one, bring Israel back so they can continue to be salt and light to the earth. Earth and world, salt to the earth, light of the world were code words for the Gentiles because Israel was considered a separate nation. It says in scripture in the Torah, not to be considered among the nations because this is a special creation of God 
and put in the exact same terms as the Noahic covenant. You know, as long as the sun, moon, and stars give their light, as long as the uh, springtime and harvest, even if the mountains are eroded to the ground, my covenant with you will stand. Paul later on says, and Peter say, God does not annul covenants previously established. He can add to them, but he kind of take away from them. And Paul says, you know, God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. So you have all of this eternality language regarding Israel, and very often in Christian church history, you know the church history, it hasn't often very been very good in its relationship with Israel. Uh, I don't have to go into details on that. Uh, to where Israel sometimes called us Edom, uh, because Edom were the kin, uh, came out of Esau. When Jerusalem fell, the Edomites the, uh, went in and pillaged and gloated and did all these kinds of things. So it was like the, the church, uh, what became of the Roman church as it developed through time to our present day, was the enemy, in a sense, very often, of Israel and not the supporter. And as Tim and Mike played today, it was all, you know, pray for Jerusalem, that healing comes out of Jerusalem. Um, the, other, uh, the other thing, which is just simply related, the other focus of Jesus, he says, I haven't gone to the Gentiles, I haven't gone to the Samaritans, because he's training new leadership, he's trying to train Israel. He knows what's coming down the pike. He knows that there is going to be this, this movement of God. God created a covenant with Israel at Sinai to be a light to the nations. He's reforming them. And now, and basically he knows coming down the pike is God's incredible movement among the, Jewish, uh, among the Gentile peoples where they come in throngs to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So those are the two purposes. One, so they can... Uh, one, to reform them, revive them, and the second one, prepare them for this movement of my father, which is coming very shortly. Um, I've sort of left the script a little bit, um, but I, I want to try and bring a couple things in. Uh, if you look, if I were to say to you, what, where was the first council? Now, we all know about the Council of Nicaea. Right? That was in 300 under Constantine, and, and we have the Apostles' Creed that came, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Uh, and then we go to Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, only Son, our Lord. Well, there was an earlier council that is actually in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. Anybody know what that council was? So how are we going to incorporate these Gentiles, it's our vocation to reach them and to speak to them, bring them to our God, but how do we do that? How do we integrate them? Remember, Israel's covenant is eternally, doesn't revoke it, so uh, Jews remain Jews. Paul says that all along. It's called Jerusalem Council. It's in Acts 15, and it was when the apostles got together with Paul uh, with James, the brother of Jesus, who is the head of the Jerusalem, uh, we'll call it church, that believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and that he'd come for these purposes to uh, bring the Gentiles, a group of Gentiles that totally separated themselves to God from their pagan religion, 
very often at their economic um, distress because they were separating them from their community gods and all these kinds of things. So anyway, what you have, how's my time going here? I'll try to make a couple final <laughs> points. What am I, oh, 20 minutes? How am I doing, Lisa? I'm getting the hook out any minute. I'll get the hook out any minute. Okay, all right. So just think of this. When you, when you look at, I was gonna do some readings, but obviously we won't do it. Uh, when you look at those two councils, it is amazing. You, you know, the um, chief in, in uh, Hawaii is a big kahuna. I talk about the good big lacuna. You know, this big bubble with nothing in it. Uh, Gary Larson had, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> had, you know, what a dog, what a dog hears. And you see the big bubble over his head and he's got Fido. And then what is a cat here? And this big bubble, nothing in there. So um, what are the hidden and dark things that we may have missed? Uh, what are the, these hidden and dark things that our wise ancestors taught us that our later foolish ancestors led us wrong? When I think of our foolish ancestors, and that Psalm 78 goes into that in Israel's history. I'm looking at our history now in the last 2,000 years. And that is that in that lacuna are our Greek church ancestors. All of our Greek, all of our church fathers were Greek. So they imported, just like in Israel, you know, the Sinai covenant, they imported the pagan gods around them and it affected their religion and God rejected them in certain ways, that our Greek church fathers were all Greek. They brought in their platonic and you know, material things are bad, all this kind of stuff. So we are the inheritors of that through Augustine, through um, Jerome, uh, Luther, because they all sprung out of Rome back then. So there's a car across the street, I'll say it's a white Audi. And I'm looking through Hebrew glasses because that's what Jesus and the apostles are trying to teach you about this Hebrew God, the biblical Hebrew worldview. But you have these yellow glasses on. Look at that beautiful yellow, uh, uh, white Audi convertible. And you have your historic church interpretive glasses on, which came to you through the Greeks. And you say, no, it's yellow. It's yellow. Not where realizing how different your glasses really are. I wanted pink ones, but they were $17. These I had lying around the house. So you look out there and you say, you've got to take off your Greek glasses. You've got to go back to the Torah and the, and the prophets and to understand. And my other analogy of this, and I'll try it. So basically, think of what the giant lacuna, think of what we just heard here in the Apostles' Creed in Nicaea. I believe in God the Father. Okay, God's the Father, almighty, all-powerful, creator of heaven and earth, right? Now, I believe in Jesus Christ. Is on 95% of my Bible just disappeared. Where are the promises of God? Uh, I, like the, I don't like the song Promises of God, the one we sang, and I put it there for a reason. I believe we're standing on the promises of God, but what promises are we standing on? Do we know? Can we actually state them? Two promises. Let's see, do we have a, a little kaleidoscope or what, is there a, a picture up there of a magnet or anything? Yeah. Good, okay. And this is it. When you go back to the Council of Jerusalem, what was supposed to be happening, what was decided at that time is that as the scriptures were read, rejoice, O Gentiles, 
with his people. And the whole idea was that we became, that those Gentiles which were willing to separate themselves totally from their paganism, their bad pagan practices, and come in to join Israel in a normative, actual covenant along with them. And all of Paul's language and all the language in the New Testament is you're partners, you are sharers, you don't have a, you know, you don't say to your child, please share if there isn't somebody else to share with. Don't partner if there's nobody else. We're adopted. Wow, we're, the, we're in this wonderful covenant. We're adopted, we're grafted. All this kind of language, and now we're totally divided. Uh, so why do, I, why do I think the narrow gate? What is the issue here? I think the narrow gate, there's a lot of problems with it because it says few there are who find it and very often we say, oh, everybody's going to hell. Uh, few there are who find it. It says, and it leads to destruction. What does John the Baptist and J uh, J uh, Jesus Christ say? That you know, if this leadership doesn't change, the temple is gonna be destroyed. Destruction. So, uh, and then you read Paul and in 1 Timothy and he says, Jesus' name, first of all, is God saves. Wow, God saves. Uh, and then you, Paul says, this is go, really goes against our speed bump brains, is that he is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And then you get into Revelation and you have the Gentiles being saved in mass. And you see all of Israel will be saved. It has the symbolic 144,000. And that was symbolic. It's a multiplication of the 12 tribes of Israel. So you have this just, you know, you just have all these things that seem to be flying in the face of. So I think what the narrow gate was, the narrow gate was the leadership. It was sort of like, Jesus and um, John says, if I, and he's talking to leadership, he, I hadn't come to you and spoken these things and actually done all these attesting miracles, you would be without excuse. But now that I have come down into you, you do not know my Father, you do not know Torah, you do not know my, um, my people of the guidance that my Father gave you, and now I have a right too. So I think the narrow gate is not talking about personal salvation. It's talking about Jerusalem's current leadership just as there was a narrow gate earlier on in the first 2,000 years from, uh, for the leadership of Israel from Sinai to Jesus. Now we have this new movement of God coming in. Will the elder brother, Israel, accept the prodigal son, the nations, or, and it's left blank, and we know most of the leadership did not, and the temple was destroyed. And Israel lost its land and its temple until they're back in the, in the land now. So uh, the whole Jerusalem Council, go home if, if you're interested in this, read Acts 15, because there the decisions were made as to how the Gentiles were to be integrated with Israel as partners both for the Gentiles, both for their own inheritance from the people of Israel, from the elder brother. They get in the household, the younger brother gets his inheritance through the older brother. 
And that partnership was also, the narrow gate was also to be so that in partnership, the whole world is healed. That that's God's plan, that's the biblical plan, that we partner together so that we can be salt and light to our respective nations and communities, tikkun olam, the healing of the world, the repair of the world. Thank you.